Good morning, church. How are we doing? Doing good? Someone's phone's going off. Oh, hold on. I, I, I got to take this. Hey, uh, now's not a good time. Sorry, guys. Uh, yeah, I know we need to get together and, and hash that out. Uh, can we do it Monday? Sorry. Again, sorry, guys. Well, I'm behind at work. Eloise has soccer practice. Um, I mean, we're trying to get our bathroom remodeled, too. Like, I got some personal stuff going on. Can we do Tuesday? All oh, right, let's do Tuesday. I got staff meeting, but it has to be before golf. Is that cool? Okay, thanks. Bye. Right. I'm going to mute this. Sorry about that, guys. You ever have a phone call like that? Do you ever have a week like that? Next thing, the next thing? Or maybe your whole life is like that. Maybe work, you're a little bit behind. I think the reality is most of us feel like that sometimes. We'll get a phone call, we're in the middle of something, then we go on to the next thing. I know young families are notorious for being busy. Where are my young families at? If you've got like five and under. Yeah, y'all are busy, okay? You got band practice with one and then soccer practice with the other. Then you got to go pick up the band practice one and then go back for the soccer practice one. Busy right? But then it doesn't stop. When you get older and you get older kids, then they go to college. You're doing college visits, you're going to visit, and they always choose schools that are far away, right? Like you're going down to Texas or something crazy. But then you get older and your kids start having kids, and then grandbabies start coming. I was talking to somebody first gathering has like 12 grandbabies. That sounds busy to me, right? Because that means 12 soccer games. We're busy. We are a busy people, And it's not just the activities that keep us busy because we're living in a day and age where things are becoming more expensive. Sports are being more expensive. Extracurriculars, gas, to and from. So we're busy running people around to things, but then we're looking at our bank account going, where's the money going? Because the money's going out quicker than it's coming in. So then we start picking up extra shifts at work to cover for the activities, and then we're having less and less time at home. Do you see that tension? We as a culture have shifted. I remember when I was a kid, we didn't do anything on Sundays, right? You couldn't really go to the grocery store. If you were on a road trip, you were praying that you found a gas station that was open. We as a culture are a busy culture. We work and we work and we work just for the hope for the weekend, right? Saturday and Sunday, and then that one vacation a year, right? You can picture it, toes in the sand, But so many times we go on these trips and we go into these weekends and we come out more tired than we went in. What's up with that? There's this balance. We're going to see today that God modeled rest in creation. And he also modeled work. So we're going to look at some theology. We're going to challenge our beliefs on what we think coming in here about rest and what we think about work. And it brings up this tension And it's this definition of margin. Because if you're not living with margin in your life, that's a problem. Because we see margin as the space that exists between our schedule and our capacity. Not many people live with this in their life anymore. It's bam, 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 bam. On to the next thing. We're in a hurry to get things done. We rush and we rush till life's no fun. You ever heard that country song? I'm not going to sing it for you. You can listen to it on the way home. But I want to ask us, is this the way life was created? Is this what God had intended in the beginning for mankind? 
So no matter what camp you're coming from in this morning, no matter what your theology on rest and your theology of work is, I challenge you to place that aside for a moment because we're going to jump back to the beginning. We're going to look at creation in Genesis 2. So if you have your scriptures, your Bible, or your phone, pull that out. We're going to be in Genesis 2. 1 through 15. And so we're going to stand together because when we read God's word, we like to to stand to honor scripture when we read it. So Genesis 2, and I'm going to be reading 1 through 15, and y'all can follow along with me. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating he had done. This is the account of the heaven and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees growing out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden uh, were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river flowing through the garden flowed from Eden. There it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first it is the Fishon, and it winds through the entire land of Halava, where there is gold. Uh, the name of the second river is Gihon. Its winds rush through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is Tigris. It runs along the east side of Asher, and the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and to take care of it. So church, let's pray over this scripture before we jump in. God, I thank you for the book of Genesis. God, I thank you for the origin story where we can sit down and we can dissect your, your plan in creation. God, we see that there are things you want for us, things that were implemented in Genesis that we, uh, as humans, created in your image need to apply to our lives today. God, we love you and thank you for sending Jesus. It's in your name we pray, amen. Y'all can have a seat real quick. So this morning, if you're diligent note-takers, we're going to spend about three-quarters of our time this morning talking about rest, okay? That's the plan, anyway. We'll, we'll see where, where God takes us. Um, and then we're going to talk about work. Who wants to talk about going to work tomorrow? Yeah, some chuckles, some nervous chuckles. Um, we're going to talk about both, but uh, it's my goal um, to spend about three-quarters of the time talking about rest. So in a moment... We're going to be in Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to be focusing on verses 1 through 3. And we're going to look at how the Sabbath was pictured and created um, in creation. And on the seventh day, God rested. And then we're going to fast forward and look at how uh, the Sabbath, or this day of rest, was commanded to God's people in the book of Exodus. Um, and then we're going to fast forward in time to Jesus' time, and we're going to see how Jesus perfected and pushed against human-created laws that were taxing on the people, um, and how the Sabbath was fully fulfilled in Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath. So who's ready to get to work? We're going to talk about rest first. Is that cool? 
Absolutely. So Genesis 2, 1 through 3, we just read this. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from his work. Let's continue on in verse 3. Then God blessed that seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he, he had done. Everything was done. It was completed. Nothing else needed to be done. Um, creation came to an end. And it was just as God designed it. And then it says God rested. And when we think of rest, we think of we rest when we're tired and we're worn out right? It's like, I'm on the way home from work. I can't wait to sit on the couch and rest. But thinking about this idea of God resting, um, I heard a commentator say this about God resting. God, the divine being, can neither know fatigue nor stand in need of rest. So when we think of rest, we think of rest in weakness, in weariness, and I don't see these attributes with God. So let's look in Isaiah 40, 28. It says, Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And, and his understanding, no one can fathom, fathom. So God rested, not out of a need of weariness, because we see he cannot grow tired or weary. God is resting to model something for those created in his image that do grow weary. Us, right? In the beginning, God created rest. And this is your first fill in the blank. In creation, God rested and he blessed it. He blessed the day and made it holy. This was the design for rest in the beginning. And now we're going to see humans come in and we're going to complicate something that was so simple in the beginning. And then we're going to look at how Jesus clears the air and makes it simple again. So let's fast forward into Exodus. And we're going to see where the Sabbath, it's prescribed as a commandment. Um, and, and Moses, the author of this book, also wrote Genesis. And he records in Exodus through, several times throughout this book, refers to honoring the Sabbath, and commanding to do so. You see in Exodus chapter 16, um, and this is just a refresher for y'all, you've heard this, the nation of Israel, they just went through their exodus, okay, from the nation of Egypt. So they're free. They're out in the wilderness, they're now free, but now they're hungry, and their tummies are rumbling, and they're grumpy. You guys remember? And, and so they're, they're murmuring to Moses and to Aaron, we're hungry, can we at least go back to slavery because we know we'll have food there? And then God comes along and says, okay, 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 settle down. I've heard you, I'm gonna provide for you, <clears throat> and I'm gonna give you this substance called manna, which you can use it to make bread, and I want you to go out to collect a daily portion of this manna and don't save any for leftovers, because if you do, it's going to get worms, it's going to decompose, it's going to stink. But on that seventh day, go ahead and collect twice as much on that day. It will not spoil. And so in Exodus 16, he gives this command. This is what the Lord has commanded. Today is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. The Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. 
Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. So that's Exodus 16. And then we get to Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. So the story goes on. He's reminding them again. Six days you shall labor and do your work. But on the seventh day, as as a Sabbath to the Lord your God, on it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your town. We see it as a commandment. Clearly, and this is for the nation of Israel. They've been told in the wilderness once. Now the nation is hearing these prescribed on a tablet, the Ten Commandments, right? It's as if he's saying, God's saying, hey, I've reminded you once. I'm reminding you again, and then now we're putting it on a stone so you can remember it. Remember what I told you. And honestly, we're the same way. My wife's not here, but I lost my wallet this morning. I didn't remember where I put it. You know, I lost my keys yesterday. So I need like an Apple AirTag or something. But we, as humans, we forget things. Especially with rest. When was the last time you rested? Because I'm looking around at you and honestly, I think it's been a while. Okay, this message is is for me too, by the way. But God's reminding his people you need to rest. Let's continue in Exodus uh, in 31. Say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbath. Reminding them again, right? This will be a sign between, between uh, me and you for generations to come, so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. So in other words, he's saying, I set you apart as my people for a purpose. You shall keep my Sabbath because it is holy for you. He says, everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. And I only read verses 13, so let me continue. Observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who uh, desecrates it is to be put to death. Whoa, we'll come back to that. Those who do, yeah, because some of you are like wondering like, oh, yeah, we're gonna talk about that. Those, uh, those who do any work on that day must be cut off from their people. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath is to be put to death. For the Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever, for in six days the Lord made the heavens. We're pointing back to Genesis and the earth. Uh, and on the seventh day, he re- rested and was refreshed. Set aside for a purpose. Man, and that put to death stuff? Pretty serious, right? Let me say I'm thankful Jesus has come and changed this, but there is a seriousness to what God is commanding. He wants us to take it serious. If death today was a consequence of rest, how many of you guys would be resting? I would, (laughs) right? God is serious about this. So let's see what happens when Jesus comes. Because God created it, man's going to complicate it, and then Jesus simplifies it. That's what's happening, and Jesus is about to simplify it. So a few hundred years have gone by since these commandments, these reminders in the law, and here's where humans come in and they complicated this, this Sabbath. The rabbis, they started adding commandments, amendments, specifically to the Sabbath, and they started adding things, and they added 39 categories to what it means to honor the Sabbath. 
And Orthodox Jews to this day, they, they still go back to those 39 categories for the law, so they do not break the Sabbath, so they rest. And it's, it's very humorous, and I'll share this with you. In our modern society, there has become modern problems to trying to live by these 39 rules. One of these 39 rules is you cannot tear. That is considered work. If you tear something on the Sabbath, you are working, and therefore you are not honoring the Sabbath. My question um, for an Orthodox Jew, if you go to the bathroom, what do you do? Because you have to tear something. <laughs> I, you can laugh, it's okay. There are modern problems with this man-made law. It's complicated. There's things you have to do. So you're going to have to tear your toilet paper in advance or use a tissue, I guess, right? So these long lists, these 39 amendments, is, was this God's design for rest? No, it wasn't. So Jesus had to come and fix what man had distorted, had, had perverted, and to fulfill the Sabbath. So polluted. So Jesus comes onto the scene and he makes it clear that the Sabbath, that this rest was perfected in him. Matthew 5, uh, 17 says it about as clear as I could find it. Um, I don't think I have a slide, but Jesus would say, I, um, I don't think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And fulfillments of everything that was written, both in the law and the prophets, all of the Old Testament was written in the fulfillment and would be perfected in Jesus, the one who would refer himself as the Lord of the Sabbath. And possibly you've, you've heard this one before. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. You've got something God created that was good, Rest. You've got something that man had corrupted, those laws, the amendments, and then you have something that Jesus perfected. Simple, hard, simple. Jesus made it simple. All we have to do is come to him, those who are weary and burdened, and he will give you rest. It's that easy. It's an offering. You see what he's offering? Those Jews were not, were not finding rest in their rules and their regulations. I would be worried about if I was not resting or not right? It's so simple. And, and here's the, the summary of our first half so far is God's rest is available and it's perfect. Because God's rest is better than a two-hour nappy nap on Sunday. A two-hour nappy nap is pretty nice, but God's got something better. It's better than a fishing trip with your buddies or a Saturday with the boys, you know, a break from the family. Jesus came and shook up the place. He said, what are you doing? My father created something in creation so good, so simple, and you messed it all up. We see in Matthew 12, there was controversies. It was, they were button heads between the Pharisees and Jesus because Jesus was doing things and he wasn't doing them the way they thought he should. You see, Jesus, he worked on the Sabbath in the eyes of the Pharisees, religious leaders, because what happened is he went to heal somebody, he spit in the dirt and made mud. That was considered breaking the Sabbath. And then yet he put it on the person to, to heal them. They still had a problem with that. So Jesus came along and he, he makes it really clear in verse 8 of chapter 12. 
he says, clearly the Son of Man, referring to himself, is the Lord of the Sabbath. That means he's the boss of rest, right? Jesus says, I call the rules on Sabbath. This is why I came, to simplify this. I say what you can and can't do. Come to me, and I will give you rest. It's that simple. That simple. So if I had to summarize what we've talked about so far, rest was designed at creation and perfected through Jesus. Or another way I thought of this right before I came out, God created it, man complicated it, and Jesus simplified it. It's that simple. We don't have to do 39 different things. We don't have to plan our bathroom trips on Sunday or whatever your Sabbath is. It's easy peasy. We just come to him. So I want to ask you, are you taking advantage of that offer? Because, man, think of how different we would look individually, how much emotionally healthier we would be if we saw the Sabbath not as a burden, but as a benefit. When you look around at all that work that still needs to be done, those papers piled up, the grass is knee high, the dishes need mowed, the kids screaming, you know, whatever, you got to get caught up, you're behind. What if you take God up on that promise in that moment and come to him to rest with him and to thank him for the opportunity? Because he says it, he's going to do it. Come to me and I will give you rest. He's not going to leave you hanging. A lot of us here, we need, we need this rest. We need to accept this invitation to come and rest with the creator because rest was designed and implemented at creation for our benefit. So some of you guys are like me, how in the world am I going to make this rest happen? I am busy. I got a lot of stuff to do. I know I do too. Okay. This message is for me as well. Here's how we're going to do it. We're going to start with the R, with this acrostic. If we're going to rest, number one, write this down. You need to remember and reflect. Okay, just like the people out in the wilderness being reminded over and over in Exodus, we need to remember that God has something for us. True rest that you're not going to find on the weekend. You're not going to find it on a vacation. He's got it. We need it. So we need to remember and to reflect on that truth. If you don't remember, how are you going to do it? Right? Just like if I don't remember where my, where my keys are, I'm not going anywhere. Right? You got to remember. That's step one. Two is enter and enjoy. And this is the hard one. Okay? This first one can be easy for some of us. This first one's actually harder for me because I have a horrible memory. Right? I got dude brain. The second one, he has dude brains. Dude brain's a thing. It is. Look it up. So we've got enter and enjoy, and this is the application. This is where if you're living with no margin in your life, you have no space between your capacity and, um, I forgot my uh, schedule and capacity, it's going to be hard to enter into this time. You've been offered an invitation to dine with God, to relax, to rest, how do you do that? How do you be intentional? You have to make the time. If you're living with no margin, you need to create margin to rest. And that's hard to do. Maybe that means not joining the bowling league this fall or whatever that looks like for you. Pull out your calendar, mark some time, and then enjoy it. And that's hard for some of us too. Have you ever been somewhere physically but not there mentally? Yeah. 
I don't think God wants that for us. He doesn't want us in his presence, but thinking about something else. We need to enter and enjoy his presence. Next step is to stop, which means stop, right? (laughs) Stop sign, er, stop what you're doing, okay? And then T, trust. And, And thinking about this, I think we need to add thankfulness as well. Go into this trusting God that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. And also, thank him for implementing rest in creation. We all need this rest because we see in creation God rested not because he was weak or weary. He was modeling something for us, a creation in his image. So God modeled rest in the beginning. Man complicated it. Jesus simplified it. He perfected it. So that's just the, three, the first three verses. We've got to keep going. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We, we, we're going to go to uh, Genesis 2.15, um, and we're going to read this here in a, a moment. But there's something about Sundays that are different than any other days of the week, okay? And that is on Sundays, you have the realization you have to go to work tomorrow. Yep, I see the faces. Mine happens about 3 o'clock. Every 3 o'clock on a Sunday, it hits me. I got to go to work tomorrow, right? I don't know about you. Some of you, it's Monday morning (laughs) when the alarm goes off. But there's a sinking feeling sometimes, right? That means the weekend's over when you start having those thoughts. Takes the wind out of your sails a little bit. But the tension is there's some of us in this room that like work. Where are you guys at? Like work's your favorite. You could do it all the time. A few. Okay, great. Um, And then there's a different camp. I call it the middle of the road, the indifferent camp. I don't really love work or hate it. Anybody else with me on that? I just do it. It's it's all right. Good days, bad days. Now, where are my people that just hate working? It's okay. Nobody's going to judge you. Awesome. We had some little kids in the first gathering, and I laughed. I thought it was really funny. So we're going to talk. We talked a little bit about rest theology. You know, what does the Bible say about rest? In Genesis 2, the Bible talks about work too. We're called to do both, and we're going to talk about it because I feel it matters, because we as Christ followers, we need to be living in the way God created us to live, right? So let's jump in, uh, and let's start talking about work. I didn't, nobody ran out, so that's a good sign, right? So this is Genesis 2, uh, 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it, okay? I'm going to leave this up here. We're going to come back to it. There's a tension here because in this lifetime, the average human's going to work 90,000 hours on the clock. Okay, so that means we're going to devote, a bit, devote about one-third of our life at our workplace. Okay, that's kind of crazy to think about. Work's a big part of our lives. So when I meet you for the first time, I'm going to say, hello, I'm Sam. The second question is, what do you do for a living? Right? Our work is part of our identity, Now, with this idea of work, some of us get paid to work. We work a nine-to-five, or we have set hours. Um, So some of us work, we get paid. Some of us work, we don't get paid. Those are called moms, and you are special. And if we could afford to pay you, we couldn't afford to pay you, right? So we've got moms, and, and that's the hardest job there is. I've seen my wife. So thank you, moms. You are superstars. So... Working doesn't mean just getting paid, is what I wanted to say. 
Um, by that definition, all of us here, we probably work in some capacity. Maybe nine to five, maybe you're a mom, maybe you volunteer. But we're going to look in Genesis. Our culture, we view work as a negative thing. And what I see when I read Genesis, work's not to be viewed that way. Work's not a negative thing. There's some tension here, but let's read this again. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to what? To work it, okay? And to take care of it. So there's some truth here. The first thing God did after putting man on the earth was to give him a job. Some of you are like, darn it, <laughs> that's not what I wanted to see, right? We're going to talk about some bad, that's not my phone this time. <laughs> I've heard some bad theology about work in the fall. We're going to address that because I think this is very important to understand this. And what's really cool is God did more than give us a job. Um, if we keep reading here in verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. So he gave him a job, and then he gave him authority, position over all creation. Last week, Jim talked about Genesis 125. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that happened. Then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creatures according to its kind, cattle and creepy things, and all the beasts of the earth according to its kind, and it was so. And, and, and God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind. Everything was created to its kind. And then God gets down. He created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. We are created different than other creations. We were created in the image of God. So that means if we're created in the image of God, we share many attributes that our creator has. Love, justice, mercy, intellect, emotion, creativity. We could go on. We have thumbs, right? Monkeys, well, monkeys have thumbs, right? We are created different. That's what we see in Genesis. Genesis, we are the crowning creation. Man was put on this, this earth, created. We were given a job, and we were given authority, God created a work for us because we serve a working God. That's what I see in Genesis, and that's what I see throughout Scripture. So if we are created in the image of God, a working God, a God who ha did work and is currently working, shouldn't we be working? Or should we be sitting on our hands? Our God's not a lazy God. He is active. He is working. He's not eating potato chips on the couch. He's involved we just read about it in creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth out of nothing. That's work. God made two great lights. That's work. God created the sea creatures. That's work. Thus, the heavens and the earth, a host of them, all finished. And on the seventh day, God rested. God worked and he rested in creation. And he is active and working today. We see in Scripture, Jewish leaders, they, they were persecuting Jesus for working on the Sabbath, and Jesus told them in John 5.17, in his defense, Jesus said to these people, my father is always, always at his work to this very day, and I am working too. We serve a God who is currently working. So let's get some application here, because I see some of y'all looking at me, and you're like, man, you don't understand my job 
how hard it is, how much I hate it. Okay, you're probably right. Okay, we'll just say that. You're probably right. But I want to talk about this idea of bad theology really quick um, because I've heard people teach before that humans have to work because of sin. Because Adam and Eve sinned, that is why we have to work. But we just read it. Like, we clearly see the first thing that happened in our notes, right? The first thing God did after putting man on earth was to give him a job. So that's, that's not true. We don't work because Adam and Eve sinned. We might have to work a little harder because of this. And I will show you in Genesis chapter 3. Because of sin, to Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you not to, they, they didn't do what God told them to do, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat from all of it eat from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. Okay, there must not have been thorns and thistles. It's getting really hard now. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. So looking at this, there's bad theology out there about work. God created work and created it to be a good thing. Then man came and sinned and our work got harder. Thank you, Adam and Eve, right? That's why work is hard. So let's look at this simplistically, okay? Adam would have been maybe a a gardener. So he had the little loppers and he's like, ooh, I'm gonna get an apple. Ooh, that's nice. I'm gonna go get a banana, right? And that's how he got his food. He sins from God and now he's plowing potatoes, (laughs) right? The sweat of your brow, So I have to talk about this because biblical truth, work was created at creation for us and it's a good thing. So, but there's still tension. We still have hard jobs. How do you put a smile on your face going to that job you don't like? Right, some of you are thinking that. I'm gonna tell you because I see God model something for us in Genesis chapter one, verse 31. Then God saw everything he had made And indeed, it was very good. So God finished his work. He worked really hard. He sits back and goes, man, it is good. I did a good job, right? How would our attitudes change if we took that same mindset to work? Okay, tradesmen, tradeswomen are some of the hardest working people I know. I could not keep up with you. I could not do concrete. I could not do anything. Y'all drink three Red Bulls and have a gas station hot dog, and that's what you live on. Okay, I can't do it. Those in the medical field, emergency response, like we all work really, really hard and we come home, we come home physically tired, emotionally tired. But we see in scripture, God sat back and he looked at what he had just completed and said, wow, it's good. I think we need to do that as people created in God's image. Show up to work. We're going to talk about working for the Lord here in a little bit. Show up to work, do the work, sit back and say, oh, it's good, right? Have dignity in your work, have satisfaction, and that's going to start changing your attitude, right? Little by little. No matter what you do, make it an act of dignity because this culture, we see work as a negative. I don't know how, I was listening to songs about work. You know, the one working for the weekend, the old rock song, and then the working, working to get things done until work, life's no fun. There's all sorts of songs about how work stinks and nobody likes it. But as Christians, is that how we should be? I don't see it 
right? It's hard. It's a hard truth. So I challenge us. This is for me too. Change your viewpoint on work. Work was a good thing instilled at creation by God for us. Because God is, was at work and he is, still is. John chapter 5 says, My father is working until now and I am also working. Romans 8.28, He is working at all things together for good. Those who love God and are called according to his purpose. God is active. God is working, shouldn't we? God wants us to share in this work, this good work, have you ever taken a kid somewhere and they didn't want to be there where you took them? Maybe you want to take them to the zoo. I don't want to be here. Do you think that's how God wants us to be at work? No, not at all. Listen to this, Ecclesiastes chapter 2. A man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. It's like, oof, right? Thanks. <laughs> it's in there. Work theology is important. And it goes on to say, this too is the hand of God. That's scripture. God wants you to work, to have satisfaction in your work, much like God did after he created the heavens and the earth. To come home at the end of the day, maybe snap a picture of what you did at the end of the day and come home and say, hey honey, look at what I did. Be proud of it. That brake job you were working on that took you four hours at the mechanic shop and you broke a bolt off, take a picture of it and say, I got this sucker out. Have some satisfaction in it. Don't throw your wrench in the wall, you know? Yeah, I'm guilty of that, sorry. Think about work this way too. I wanna give you one more, more tool to combat this negativity. God loved us so much, he gave us a big earth to play on. Think about that. We've got different climates. We've got snow, we've got summer, we've got mountains, we've got deserts, we've got oceans, we've got streams. Vast. And we see in creation he gave us authority over all this. You ever been to the zoo? It's wild, right? We went yesterday. It was crazy. God gave us authority over all of this. God spoke in creation. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. And that word subdue comes from the Hebrew word radah, which means to enslave. That's to capture and unveil secrets. We are commanded in creation to go out and play in the sand. Work the land. That's God's mandate. Go out and play. Go out into what I created, and in doing so, you're going to get to see how much I love you. You're going to uncover this crazy creature, and it points right back to me. We're going to be so much happier when we're on the job site, and we look down, and we see one of God's little creations. We're going to smile. God did that, all this for us. Get outside. Get your hands dirty. Become the best you can be in your field, even if it's hard Learn science, makes discoveries. Use resources that are on the earth that God gave us. Build cities, pave roads, put in pipelines. Well, maybe that's a, maybe that's a little, we won't go there, right? We can, we can go a little, yeah. Anywho, use the resources that are on this earth. But our main point is this, okay? Our last main point. To be human, to be created in God's image is to be productive. We can go ahead and dim the lights. Because if you are not being productive, are you living into God's plan he set out in creation? To go play, to go work in his creation. Statistically, 85% uh, of all people employed are unhappy with their jobs. Seems about right. So by that, 
statistic, there's probably a lot of unhappy workers here today, right? 85% of all people that are currently employed are unhappy at their current job. That means only 15% are feeling engaged and happy with where they're at in life. This could be for many reasons. Maybe they don't like the people. Maybe they don't like the work. Maybe it's too hard. You don't like your boss. Maybe you work in a, a shop and the patrons are just horrible. But when you start focusing on working for Jesus and not working for your boss or CEO, things also change. Because we see in Colossians, building this work theology, you're going to keep hearing that. Colossians 3.17 says, whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That includes work. So let me tell you something before we go any further. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you're paid for work or if you're not paid for work. I don't care what your role is at your job. We don't, I don't care how long you've been doing it or how short you've been doing it. If you hate your job or you love your job, whatever job you're doing, we see in Scripture <clears throat> to do it unto the Lord. Colossians 3, 22 through, 20, 22 through 23. Because we see in the beginning, God created a time to rest, to set a day, to rest, to make a time. There's a time to rest and there's a time to work. And theology matters. You have to understand what it means to rest it's not just a weekend away or a vacation. And we need to understand, on the other hand, there's a time to work. And it's a balance and there's tension because of sin. So application today. Maybe you're here today and you've just been a little lazy at work. You're saying, well, they're only paying me this, so they're only getting this much of work. I would challenge you, is, this what we, is that what we see in Scripture? I don't, I don't see it. We need to work hard unto the Lord to take dominion, to go play in your playground where you work, to be the best you can be. It's not how we should be. Take, if, if that's you today, I challenge you, take Colossians 3.22 to heart. Work unto the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you hate work, okay? That's okay. I, I challenge you that God has spoken to you this morning. You hate going into work you hate everything about it, you're tired, you don't like the boss, you hate working with the people, I would challenge you today, remember you're not working for that boss, you're working for God as a Christ follower. Or maybe you're, you're sitting here and you're kind of indifferent about work. This is kind of where I fall in sometimes. Um, this is where like some days you like it, some days you don't, but most of the time it's meh. Based off of what we read today, church, should we be indifferent about our work? No. No. There's a work for us to do. We need to work hard as if we're working for the Lord. And then finally, talking about spectrum. Okay, we've talked about lazy. On the other end here, we have workaholics. Okay, I want us to talk to the workaholics in the room. These are the people that don't have good work-life balance. And if you're sitting next to one, don't look at them. <laughs> don't elbow them. Because if you're a workaholic, you need to realize and want this for yourself. There's, there's rest that you need. And you're not going to find it on the weekend. You're not going to find it on the vacation. You need to slow down and you need to rest. You need to circle that, the acrostic right there, rest, and you need to do it. Because your family's desperately wanting to spend time with you. And your creator 
is wanting to spend time with you. And you're beat up and you're tired and you're cranky and you're doing it to yourself. So if you're a workaholic here this morning, please, please, please make that change today. So no matter where you fall, I I think there's something for all of us here today and that's my prayer is that uh, the Holy Spirit has spoke to each and every one of us. There's a time to rest, a time to work, and this stuff matters. So let's pray, and then we're gonna, we're gonna sing to God in a time of worship. God, I thank you for this word today. God, I thank you for modeling rest. God, and I thank you for giving us something to do, a good work. God, I want to pray for those in this room feeling convicted that we would begin to walk into those convictions this week and apply what you spoke to each and every one of us this morning, God. God, we know you are a working God and you invite us into that work with you. God, thank you for being active. God, thank you for sending Jesus to simplify what man complicated when it comes to resting, God. God, we want want to experience this rest, Father. You are a good, good father. It's in your name we pray. Amen.